This is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up this Sunday morning. Dick Donahue with you here on KGMI. And I got a couple things I guess I got to do here. According to our compliance people, I have to inform you that I'm a wealth advisor and also that investors cannot invest directly in indices. So when I refer to them, you have to understand that the performance of any index is not indicated of the performance of any investment. It does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. When I mention the S&P 500, it's a capitalization-weighted index of 500 stocks designed to measure performance of the broad domestic economy through changes in the aggregate market value of 500 stocks, representing all major industries. And if I talk about converting a traditional IRA to a Roth, I have to remind you that that is a taxable event. And with that, let's take a look here at our weekly commentary and basically that the Democrats overperformed. The Democratic Party substantially beat expectations on Election Day, having clinched control of the U.S. Senate for the next two years. And if they win the Georgia runoff in early December, their Senate majority would be one seat larger than it was for the past two years. And in the five states that we thought would have the closest Senate races, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, and New Hampshire, the GOP ended up competitive in four of them, but coming up empty, unless they win the Georgia runoff. Oddly, Republicans appear to have fared well in the national vote total for the House, even while falling well short of expectations in terms of seats. That suggests that they ran up the score in uncompetitive districts while losing narrowly in many competitive districts around the country. It's important for investors to recognize that with Republicans ending up control of the House, they are unlikely to raise taxes in the next couple of years. Federal tax revenue was 19.6% of GDP in the fiscal year that ended in September 30th. That's the highest on record, with the exceptions of the peak of the first Internet boom in 2000 and World War II. At the same time, the Federal Reserve needs to impose a tight monetary policy to get inflation under control. As a result, the risk of a recession is unusually high. Moderate Democrats in purple states and swing congressional districts will be very reluctant to raise rates. The Democrats will have to defend 23 of 33 seats that will end up for grabs in 24, with about half of those 23 in purple or red states. None of them wants to be accused of raising taxes into a recession. And with Republicans able to hang on, to some voting leads and narrowly take control of the House. That means every piece of legislation going to the president's desk will have to be bipartisan. In that scenario, debt ceiling cliffhangers are possible, but we don't expect any Treasury debt defaults. Another piece of major news last week was that a federal judge ruled that the president's actions on student loans, providing large-scale debt relief and limiting future payments relative to income, are unconstitutional. Yes, the student loan law gives the president the authority to provide some relief, but the court ruled that Congress can't pass a law that circumvents the Constitution's requirement that Congress itself must authorize federal spending. The Congressional Budget Office estimates that the debt forgiveness alone, so not including the cost of future limits on repayments, costs the federal government $379 billion, which is a huge amount of money for the president to spend without a direct appropriation from Congress. Look at this issue to be a major bone of contention for the next year or so, but for the federal courts to ultimately strike down the Biden administration's proposal. 
And as we said last week, ultimately the stock market will be dominated, not by election results, but by fundamentals, including higher interest rates this year and weaker profits next year. The election results are unlikely to have an effect on interest rates or corporate profits. Remember, whether you've been cheering or jeering the election results, don't let that cloud your investing judgment. The bear market is further to go, and a recession is highly likely in the next 18 months. Doesn't mean the market's going to go down, 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 but doesn't mean they're going to go up, up, up either. And let's talk about inflation reprieve that proves to be short-lived. And as of Friday afternoon, global equities were a little changed from the week-ago levels, though trading has been choppy. The yield on the U.S. 10-year Treasury note eased four basis points to 3.78%, while the price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil fell almost $11 to $78.50. Volatility is measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or VIX, held steady at 23.5. And And looking at our global macro news, amid a deluge of Fed-speak, a mostly hawkish message. The U.S. Federal Reserve policymakers hit the speaker's circuit hard this week in the wake of softer-than-expected inflation data released a week ago. While there were a variety of views expressed, the bulk of the commentary suggests that while rates will likely rise more slowly than they have in recent months, they will likely need to go higher than previously expected. Among the most hawkish reviews were those of Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis President James Bullard, who in a presentation said the rates may have to rise between 5 to 7% to be sufficiently restrictive to bring down inflation. A survey of consumer expectations published by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York this week said that inflation expectations increased in the short, medium, and longer terms, an unwelcome finding for policymakers. And later after that, Bullard did clarify that at a minimum, the rate should be raised 5 to 5.25%, up from his earlier view of at least 475 to 5%. So sometimes these guys go back and look what they say and decide that they want to come back out and revise it. And that's not all bad. And China takes steps to shore up its property sector. News that Chinese officials have taken additional measures to support the country's beleaguered property sector helped boost market sentiment early in the week. The initiative centers around a 16-point plan that includes additional loans for developers, steps to ensure property completions, and the easing of caps on bank lending to developers and for mortgages. The package is seen as far from a panacea, but could help stem the bleeding in the sector, analysts said. Analysts note that the scope for further easing in monetary policy by the People's Bank of China is limited, given that the central bank is bracing for higher inflation as the economy reopens. And the parties are going to split control of Congress. As expected, Republican lawmakers secured a narrow majority in the U.S. House of Representatives this week. The House and Democrats will retain control of the Senate, even if the Republicans win a re-election runoff in Georgia on the 6th of December as Vice President Kamala Harris could break any tie in what would then be an evenly divided chamber. With control of the House of Republican hands, the White House faces an uphill battle in passing major pieces of President Joe Biden's agenda. And on Thursday, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House and leader of the House Democrats since 2003, announced that she will not seek a leadership post in the next Congress. And we're seeing strains in the U.S.-China relations ease after the G20 meeting. President Xi Jinping and the President Biden met in Bali on Monday on the sidelines of the G20 summit. While no major diplomatic advances were made, both sides agreed to keep lines of communication open. Next steps in that process include a diplomatic mission to China by U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. According to the Council on Foreign Relations, while the meeting between Biden and Xi did not lead to any breakthroughs in the U.S.-China relationship, that was a bar far too high given the state of relations. Instead, both sides signaled that they wanted to establish a floor for the relationship and build guardrails to prevent competition from turning into conflict. And uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. 
Cascade Natural Gas is offering energy efficiency rebates so you can enjoy more comfort in every room of your home and a lower energy bill, all while earning cash incentives. Find out how upgrading to high-efficiency gas equipment will keep you warm in the winter and cool in the summer and earn rebates. Contact a Cascade Trade Ally today. Antgar is your quality choice for full-service residential heating and cooling in Whatcom and Skagit counties for over 50 years. Antgar is able to offer instant discounts and financing options. You'll get an immediate rebate when you choose Antgar to purchase and install high-efficiency natural gas equipment in your home. Request an appointment today to confirm your instant rebate eligibility at antgarhvac.com. So, if you're a Cascade Natural Gas customer, take another walk through your home and start thinking of all the rebates you could earn when you upgrade the energy efficiency of your home. Don't wait. Find out more today at CNGC.com to start earning your cash rebates. This is Kathy Buckley, owner of Bellingham Athletic Club. Our staff here at BAC works hard to provide a welcoming and motivating club atmosphere. We offer a variety of classes, 30 per week, from yoga to high intensity to Zumba and aqua aerobics, all included with your gold to platinum membership. Classes are a fun way to make your exercise minutes fly by. Come see us today. You'll be glad you did. Bellingham Athletic Club, where healthy isn't just a goal, it's a way of life. Located at 4191 Meridian Street and find them online at bellinghamathleticclub.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again. Just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wolf Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. Got questions for us? Give us a call, 360-733-1200. And we are Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway in the Pacific Commerce Center next to Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway Suite, 101 Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number, 360-733-1200. And check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. Okay, well, a few quick hits on the economic calendar this week. We saw the Conference Board of Index of Leading Economic Indicators fell 8 tenths of 1% in October, and September's reading was revised lower. The index has fallen for eight straight months and for nine out of the last ten. And the consumer prices in Japan rose at their fastest pace in 40 years in October, with CPI rising 3.7% and 2.5%, excluding food and energy. The Bank of Japan has maintained its negative interest policy and quantitative easing program on the assumption that inflation will fall back below its target next year. European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde said on Friday that interest rates may need to rise to levels that restrict economic expansion to drive down inflation. The risk of recession has risen, she said, but a downturn alone won't be as sufficient to tame soaring prices. And Freddie Mac reported on Thursday that the 30-year U.S. mortgage rate had declined to 6.61% from 7.08%, the largest weekly drop since 1981. Falling U.S. Treasury yields in the wake of last week's soft inflation data helped fuel the drop. Australian unemployment dropped to a near 50-year low this week at 3.5%. And the yield on the U.S. 10-year note traded 70 basis points below the two-year note on Friday morning. That's the deepest inversion since the double-dip recession in the early 1980s. U.S. October retail sales rose a stronger than expected 1.3% in October, which is the largest jump in eight months. I'll cover more detail on that later. But that was buttressing the narrative that consumer balance sheets remain relatively robust, but is also complicating the Fed's task of slowing the economy to rein in inflation. And former U.S. President Donald Trump announced on Tuesday that he will seek the 2024 Republican nomination for president and missiles fired by Ukraine to defend against an incoming Russian attack appear to have been inadvertently crossed into Poland, killing two. Early on, there were fears that Russia had intentionally fired the missiles at Poland, a NATO member state, which could have triggered a broader conflict. And Canadian home prices have fallen 10% from their February peak, according to the Canadian Real Estate Association. And on Thursday, the United Kingdom Chancellor of the Executive, Jeremy Hunt, 
unveiled a 55 billion euro budget consolidation package of tax hikes and spending cuts despite growing signs that the United Kingdom's economy is already in recession. The package extends a windfall profits tax on energy companies and hikes taxes on high earners. And while the market reaction to the announcement was more muted than the reaction to September's mini-budget, the markets headed the same way as the value of the pound fell and the gilt yields rose. And consumer prices in the United Kingdom rose 11.1% year-over-year in October, but have likely peaked due to government-imposed energy price caps. The population of the world reached 8 billion this week, according to the United Nations. And U.S. consumer debt rose 8.3% year-over-year in the third quarter to $16.5 trillion. That's the biggest jump since the first quarter of 2008. And while most of the increase was mortgage debt, credit card balances rose 15% from a year earlier, the largest rise in 20 years. And delinquency rates remain low, however... Okay, moving on and talking about some of our economic reports for the week. We're going to start out this week with the October retail sales report. And we had another report showing that the U.S. is not in a recession. Retail sales boomed in October, rising 1.3%, increasing by the most in eight months, with upward revisions to prior months as well. Nine of 13 retail categories grew in October, led by sales at gas stations and autos, rising 4.1% and 1.3% respectively. However, we don't expect gains of this size to continue. Much of the increase at gas stations was due to higher prices at the pump, while some of the increase for autos was due to the replacement of storm-damaged cars. Perhaps the best news in the report was that core sales, which excludes the most volatile categories of autos, building materials, and gas stations, rose a strong 9 tenths of 1% in October and was revised higher for prior months. These sales are up 7.9% from a year ago. The problem is that one of the key drivers of the overall spending is inflation. Yes, consumers are spending more, but they're not taking home the same amount of goods. And although overall retail sales are up 8.3% from a year ago, that pace is just barely outpacing inflation with the CPI up 7.7% over the same period. Due to very loose monetary policy and the massive increase in government transfer payments in response to COVID, retail sales are still running higher than they would have had COVID never happened. However, loose monetary policy, which helped finance that big increase in government spending, is translating into higher inflation, which is why real inflation-adjusted retail sales are just slightly higher versus a year ago. This doesn't mean that overall spending, consumer spending, is down. Real inflation-adjusted spending on goods and services is still rising, but it does mean that overall real consumer spending growth is softer than the headlines suggest. What to expect in the months ahead? Well, retail sales will struggle to keep inflation, will keep pace with inflation, while overall consumer spending increases modestly due to the service sector as consumers shift their preferences away from goods and back to services. Ultimately, what the data show is that the Federal Reserve needs to stay the course, continue to tighten monetary policy. In other news, import prices declined two-tenths of one percent in October, while export prices fell three-tenths of one percent. Still in the past year, import prices are up 4.2 percent, while export prices are up 6.9 percent. And we got the October's producer price index report out this week, and peak inflation is likely behind us. But the modest two-tenths of one percent increase in producer prices is not a sign that the Fed's job is done. Yes, producer prices have been rising at a slower pace over the past three- and six-month periods, but prices remain up eight-tenths of one percent in the last year, well ahead of the Fed's two percent target for inflation. So after declining in July and showing no change in August on the back of lower energy costs, producer prices have risen by two-tenths of one percent in both September and October, with food and energy again key drivers rising half a percent and 2.7 percent respectively in October. Outside these typically volatile categories, core producer prices are flat in October as a drop in autos, 
declining margins for wholesalers, and lower costs for wholesaling and transportation services were offset by rising costs for hospital care and oil and gas field machinery. And while it's notable that this was the first time in nearly two years that core prices did not increase on a monthly basis, that still means that they remain up 6.7% in the last year. Producer prices may very well have peaked on a year-ago basis back in March, but it will not be a swift return to the Fed's target of 2% annual inflation. We expect the path towards normal will be far stickier than most anticipate as the economy continues to absorb the massive surge in M2 measure of money that the Fed injected in 20 and 21. And while there's plenty of prognostication around the Fed, what they will do and what means to the economy and the markets moving forward, what matters most is that inflation continues to run well above the Fed's target. Expect a half point or 50 basis point hike in the Fed's December meeting, along with guidance that the Fed is prepared to continue raising rates in 23. The path ahead to tame inflation will test the Fed's resolve. Let's hope that they're up to the task. In recent news on manufacturing front, the Empire State Index, which is a measure of the New York factory sentiment, rose 4.5% in November from minus 6% in October. The U.S. is likely headed for a recession, but it hasn't started yet. This has been Dick Donahue with you with Wolf Wake Up on KGMI this Sunday morning. I want to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a minute. Thank you for being with us. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Bringing the world to Whatcom County and Northwest Washington. The People's Republic of China. They're launching the first pieces of their own space station. The John Batchelor Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 10. They're going to use what they learn in, in constructing this station and having people live on it to plan their uh, manned interplanetary ship and to do it as quickly as possible. On KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. At Kendall Subaru of Marysville, we know that winter weather can surprise us with wet and sometimes adventurous driving conditions. It's no surprise that an all-wheel drive Subaru is ready for whatever Mother Nature throws our way. With the Subaru Share the Love event on now, you can get a great deal on a new all-wheel drive Subaru and lend a hand to a charity at the same time. With each new Subaru sold or leased, Subaru will donate $250 to your choice of five national and hometown charities like the Tulalip Foundation, Make-A-Wish, ASPCA, Meals on Wheels, or the National Park Foundation. At Kendall, we're always looking for ways to give back to our community and share the love locally. For each new Subaru sold or leased, Kendall will also make an additional $50 donation to support the Tulalip Foundation. Stop by Kendall Subaru of Marysville during the Subaru Share the Love event or get started at KendallSubaruMarysville.com. Kendall, let's start something great. Offer valid November 17th, 2022 to January 3rd, 2023. See dealer for full details. Derek here at DD Insurance. I'm here to talk to you about your Medicare options. There are generally two options to choose from once you qualify for Medicare Medicare supplements, where Medicare is primary, or Medicare Advantage plans, which are contracted plans by Medicare. Understanding the differences between these two options is where we come in. My wife, Denise, and I, along with our amazing staff, will help you navigate the options so you can make an informed decision. While your Medicare and you book does explain the options and how they work, we all have complicated issues that the book doesn't always answer. Like, will the UW be covered? Or Seattle Cancer Care Alliance? Can I see any doctor? Or am I covered if I travel outside of the country? If I make a choice and it turns out there are better options, can I change? 
We have the answers to all these questions and more. Call us at 392-8159, D&D Insurance on the Bounty Drive in Ferndale and online at dndinsurance.com. Inflation hitting you like a stampede of hangry elephants? You're not alone. But this holiday season, Bellingham Coin has quality gifts for any budget. From antique jewelry and vintage tees to gold and silver coins and everything in between. Their staff can help you pick out that special item for that special someone. No earth shaking or wallet crushing required. Come find your hidden treasures by visiting us at the Bellingham Coin Shop on Cornwall Avenue in Bellingham and at bellinghamcoin.com. At Western Solar, we believe that integrity and craftsmanship are foundational to everything that we do. It's who we are and why we back up that statement with something tangible so that you know we are invested in the quality of your installation. We guarantee for 20 years that if your equipment fails, we will replace it at no cost. We also guarantee that your solar panels will generate at least 92% of their rated capacity 25 years from the day they're installed. We can commit to these guarantees because we invest in our employees and we recognize the quality of their work. In fact, we're continuing to grow and looking to hire, train, and invest in new team members. We provide the most comprehensive warranty coverage in the area because integrity and craftsmanship guide our every decision. We strongly believe that when we invest in our employees, they invest in our customers, and the community wins. Stop by our office on Home Road in Bellingham to meet our team, and you'll see why that for almost two decades we've been installing clean energy, investing in our community, and loving what we do. Western Solar at westernsolarinc.com. There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground covering all of it, bringing you the weather, the traffic, and breaking news, all while entertaining you 24 hours a day. Someone needs to tell you what's going on around the world and in our hometowns, and that someone is us. We are free radio. We are always there. We are broadcasters. Visit wearebroadcasters.com or text radio to 52886 to learn more. Furnished by NAB and this station. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today at westmechanical.net to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up, Dick Donahue with you. Uh, we're going to go ahead here and talk about October's housing starts. And housing starts continue to slow in October. As relatively high mortgage rates, labor shortages, and the ongoing supply chain issues continue to weigh on builders. Looking at the details, both single-family and multi-unit construction contributed to the broad headline decline. It is clear developers are becoming more cautious about future demand for new single-family projects with 30-year mortgage rates around 70%, around 7%, and are continuing to focus resources on apartment buildings instead. Over the last year, single-family starts are down 20.8%, which is a sharp contrast to the multi-unit starts, which are actually up about 17.8%. And though groundbreaking on new residential projects is down 21.1% from the peak earlier this year, keep in mind that construction overall has hardly ground to a halt. Lots of projects are already in the pipeline with the number of homes under construction at the highest level on record back to 1970. These figures demonstrate slower construction process due to a lack of workers and other supply chain difficulties. Given that builders already have their hands full, it wasn't surprising to see permits for new projects fall 2.4% in October. The backlog of projects that have been authorized but not yet started is currently just below the record high since the series began back in 1999. Housing isn't going to be a source of economic growth in the year ahead, but do not expect a housing bust nearly as harsh as in the 2000s. Unlike previous housing busts, we do not have a massive oversupply of homes. 
In another news, initial unemployment claims fell 4,000 last week to 222,000, and continuing claims rose 13,000 to 1.507 million. And these figures are low by historical standards and suggest continued solid job growth in November. Finally, on the manufacturing front, the Philadelphia Fed Index, which is a measure of factory sentiment in that region, fell to minus 19.4 in November from minus 8.7 in October. We'll be watching other regional surveys closely for any signs of a broader decline in that sector. And we talked about housing starts. Let's also take a look at existing home sales. And existing home sales fell for the ninth month in a row in October, posting the longest streak of decline since records began in 1999. Falling affordability has played a major role in the recent string of weak reports. The prime culprit is a surge in mortgage rates, with interest rates about a 30-year mortgage fixed loans currently hovering around or just under 7%. The good news is that mortgage rates have recently fallen roughly a half a percent, which could help stabilize sales in coming months. While financing costs remain a burden, the good news is that median prices fell for the fourth month in a row in October. Part of this is just seasonality. Prices typically begin to fall following the summer buying season. And even with the recent declines, median prices are up 6.6% in the last year. However, that is notable showing from the 25.2% peak in the 12-month comparison in May of 21. And when you do do the math, it's not hard to see why home sales have slowed down so rapidly. Assuming a 20% down payment, the rise in mortgage rates and home prices since December amounts to a 65% increase in monthly payments on a new 30-year mortgage for the median existing home. The report also showed that the inventory of existing homes on the market remains tight. Available listings were down slightly, not only from September, but also from a year ago. And the best way to look at that data, given the seasonality of the housing market, given that many homeowners locked in mortgage rates at rock-bottom levels during the pandemic, potential sellers are unlikely to brave a 400 basis, that would be a 4% increase in financing costs, by re-entering the market to trade up. Meanwhile, the month's supply of homes, which is how long it'll take to sell the existing inventory at the current sales price, rose slightly to 3.3 in October. And however, this remains well below the benchmark of 5 that the National Association of Realtors uses to denote a tight market. So despite the lack of options, homes that are put on the market are still selling quickly. 64% of existing homes sold on the market for less than a month. While sales are clearly under pressure, it's not a repeat of 07 and 09. And unlike the previous housing bust, we do not have a massive oversupply of homes. Meanwhile, a flood of new inventories hitting the market due to foreclosures remains unlikely. Adjustable rate mortgages make up much smaller share of the overall mortgages today than in the lead up to the housing crisis. Many current homeowners have locked in fixed long-term mortgages at extremely low interest rates, which would make them very reluctant to default on their mortgage, even if the economy eventually turns for the worse. Let's go ahead and talk about our October Industrial Production and Capacity Utilization Report. And industrial activity in the U.S. took a breather in October, coming in weaker than expected. Moreover, data from prior months were revised down as well, largely the result of growth in the manufacturing sector being slower than previously reported. That said, manufacturing is hardly signaling a recession. In fact, it was the only major category to eke out a gain in the report, posting a fourth consecutive monthly gain. The auto sector was the driver of activity in October, with activity rising 2.1%. Meanwhile, manufacturing outside the auto sector was unchanged for the month. So given the recent trend of Americans shifting their consumption preferences back towards services and away from goods, the downward revision in the reports are not surprising. That said, production of consumer goods is up 2.5% in the last year, while the production of business equipment is up 7.6%. This signals that investment in capital goods might be beginning to drive demand for the manufacturing sector as end consumers' costs ease up. 
Turning to the sources of weakness in the report, mining posted a decline of four-tenths of one percent in October. As the slower pace of crude oil extraction more than offset gains in extraction of natural gas and other minerals as well as the drilling of new wells. We don't expect weakness to persist in the mining sector with oil prices currently still hovering above $80 a barrel, incentivizing new exploration. And finally, the utility sector, which is largely dependent on weather, posted a decline of 1.5% in October. Overall, despite the shift back towards services, we expect continued modest gains in industrial production through the end of 2022 as demand continues to outstrip supply. This report puts industrial production at 2.9% above pre-pandemic levels. In comparison, the report on retail sales shows that, well, after adjusting for inflation, real retail sales are up 14.7% over the same period. This mismatch between supply and stimulus-boosted demand shows why inflation remains uncomfortably high. And in other news, home builder sentiment is measured by the NAHB Housing Index continues to deteriorate. The index fell for an 11th consecutive month to 33 in November. The index reading below 50 signals that more builders view conditions as poor versus good. The prime concern continues to be higher mortgage rates, which are having a negative impact on potential sales as certain buyers are at least temporarily priced out of the market leaving some builders with a surplus of inventory. And I started to cover this yesterday and the yesterday's show and I ran out of time, but I'm going to talk about when Americans or retirees are seeking greener pastures in the Emerald Isle. Americans' eyes are smiling on Ireland as a retirement destination. The strong dollar, coupled with post-pandemic relaxation of travel restrictions, has a record number of Americans traveling to Europe, and Ireland in particular, and it looks like as if a number of those visitors are buying one-way tickets with the idea of retiring in Ireland. Based on latest statistics, they won't be alone. Ireland is welcoming foreign nationals by the boatload or plane load, too. And a boost already, we're seeing more and more Americans currently in full-time residence. So why would Americans want to retire in Ireland? Well, Ireland marries a combination of highly educated population with economic opportunity and open, inquisitive people, which has resulted in the country being ranked as one of the best places to live in the world. The United Nations Human Development Index ranks Ireland second in the world for overall standard living out of 189 countries. Bloomberg's COVID resilience ranking positions Ireland as the number one place to live in the post-COVID world, and the Economist Intelligence Unit positions Ireland at the very top of the Worldwide Quality of Life Index, stating that it has successfully combines the most desirable elements of the law of new material well-being, low unemployment rates, political liberties, when with the preservation of certain life satisfaction enhancing elements of the old, such as a stable family life and the avoidance of the breakdown of community. Much of this quality of life comes not just from the economic prosperity, but also from their love for music, sports, art, hospitality, drama, literature, poetry, great food, and a culture that feeds the soul and energizes the senses. They enjoy nothing more than having the crate with friends over a good meal and a pint of Guinness. The Irish people are well known to be welcoming and wonderful, but what about the weather? Retirees generally prefer warmer climates. Well, Ireland is known for its temperate climate. Yes, they do get some rain, but that's what makes the landscape so green and lush, and the reason why they're known as the Emerald Isle. Ireland is known for its fairly mild winters, and they have rarely very low temperatures, and the summers are warm without becoming unbearably hot. Yes, you may experience four seasons in one day, but that's what layers are for. The next question was, what does it take to financially retire comfortably in Ireland? And is there a magic number? Well, as a country with an excellent health care and public services infrastructure, Ireland can be surprisingly good value from those Americans wishing to retire and enjoy the quality of life as well as beautiful environment. With short flights to anywhere in Europe for as little as $10, it is entirely possible to see the best of Europe on a low budget. 
Irish government advice is that for someone to retire very comfortably in Ireland, a couple would probably need a budget of about 50,000 euros. That's $51,611 per annum in U.S. dollars. And how are the medical facilities? What is the quality of private health care? Well, Ireland's public health system provides health and social services for those ordinarily resident of Ireland, with many public health services free of charge and others with very reasonable fees, although there can be very long waiting lists. Private health insurance is very affordable compared to the U.S. and provides speedy access to top-class facilities and services. The average cost of private health care for a retired couple is less than 2,000 euros a year. That's just a little over $2,000. And what are the residency requirements? Well, upon under the stamp for permanent residency permission that applicants receive via the Immigrant Investor Program, the full residency status is retained by only visiting Ireland for one day per calendar year. This minimal requirement allows mobile couples to travel freely and not be constrained by having to spend months of the year in the country. And for those, however, who choose to actually relocate to Ireland, it is possible to apply for citizen, Irish citizenship after five years under the stamp for a permit. And so what are the chances an American retiree in Ireland gets to meet Bono? What about the edge? Well... If you live in Ireland, the chances of at least seeing any of the U2 bandmates in their local pub or out and about are very high. Many celebrities make Ireland their home as they are free to live their lives here, undisturbed by paparazzi, and for the most part, and while they like to make people welcome, they generally don't treat famous people differently. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. Talk more about Ireland. Columbia Fire is expanding and hiring. If you're a licensed sprinkler fitter, sales estimator, or project manager, Columbia Fire is offering flexible scheduling on a winning team with competitive pay, medical, dental, and 401k matching. So if you're an experienced sprinkler fitter, sales estimator, or project manager, take your career to the next level and have fun doing it with Columbia Fire. For career opportunities, go to ColumbiaFire.net. That's ColumbiaFire.net. are falling and so are the prices at Wilson's Furniture during their fall savings event. Stop by today and check out the amazing savings you'll find at Wilson's. Open seven days a week on Pacific Highway in Ferndale. The holiday season creates magical moments to connect with your child. Did you know that singing with children or talking about the colors or smells of the season builds their vocabularies and helps their brains grow? As a parent, I'm the most powerful influence in my child's life. By taking a little time every day to talk, read, and sing with them, I'm setting them up for a lifetime of learning from the day they are born. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips, ideas, and resources to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning this season. Sign up for the CHS Northwest Propane Autofill Program and receive a cellular tank monitor with no monitoring fees. Plus, you'll be able to review your daily tank level readings from your smartphone or tablet. CHS Northwest, everything you need for home and farm. Online at chsnw.com. Joe Buck and John Smoltz welcoming you back to the City Center Convenience Mart. Heather's moment has arrived, and you just hope all that training pays off. Heather lays down her purchase, but Randy rings it up as slowly as he can. Uh Uh-oh. Yep, she's looking at the cigarettes. There's nothing good back there. Heather's arm is in motion, but she just grabs the gum off the counter. That's a slick move. Even Randy tips his cap to Heather. Stand up to cancer and rally wants you to reduce your risk for cancer. Go to takeahealthystand.org Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning. Wealth advisor. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm an accredited investment fiduciary. Have all those nice titles. And if you got questions for me, give me a call 360-733-1200. And we're seeing the common requirement questions. Basically, how much can I spend each month once I'm retired? And you know, we like to make a thorough financial model for our clients figure out the lifetime line of their income and expenses so that they can plan how much they need to take out of their savings and investments. The main goal is to find a balance between holding enough back 
that you have plenty for later in life, including potential long-term care expenses and making sure that you enjoyed life during your early retirement years. What are called the go-go years, making sure that you have enough extra for travel or visiting grandkids or remodel or some of the things that you can do at that stage of life. And one of the biggest expenses in retirement is housing. And although there are many sites that can claim paying off a mortgage by retirement is a good idea, it really depends on their demographics. For those who with a higher household net worth, it might be okay for them to delay paying it off. But households with fewer resources should pay off their mortgages by the time that they retire because they also have to worry about paying property taxes on top of that. In addition, keep in mind that major home expenses such as plumbing or renovation when calculating your house expenses. Another big expense in retirement is health care, which again depends on the demographics. Once you retire, your employer will no longer be covering most of your health care expenses. In those cases, we encourage you to set aside $800 to $1,000 a month for health care. Often people have heard, oh, I can get free health care. Well, not quite. Medicare just covers a portion of your health care. Medicare Part A, the free part, is hospital insurance, but there's also Part B where you pay a premium for. And it's important to think of those two expenses when it comes to health care. And when thinking about spending in retirement, it's a good idea to think about in terms of total spending as well as in terms of essential and non-essential spending. We have found that those spending fifty to $75,000 a year have a pretty good idea of what is necessary and what's not. But those who spend significantly more or less than that in retirement have room to adjust their spending plan. Another thing to think about is what will and won't be affected by inflation. For things that will be affected, like homeowners insurance and property taxes, we would apply a higher inflation rate to the plan and adjust it based on the phase of retirement that they are in. So overall, it is important to have a long-term planning horizon, regardless of how long you think you might have. A lot of people underestimate how long that they might live and either plan in small increments or spend more than they should. But if they're relatively healthy, then there's no reason why they shouldn't plan for living longer. Once people have that plan, it's a good idea to set up your potential spending as a monthly retirement paycheck. I sometimes see people take out a lump sum and park it in their checking account and then allocate it out. And I just don't think it works as well. It can cause you to overspend if you're that type, or it can cause you to say, oh, I'm going to scrimp back because I want to make it take as little out as possible. And maybe you have room to take out more. We can help you with this by running a retirement capital projection where we sit down and talk to you about what is your budget and what are those expenses, what income you have, what pension income, what investments you have, and what type of expectations with inflation adjustments, Social Security, and all those other things you need to take a look at. And while we're talking about this, we're also seeing that retiree health costs are going to rise despite the Medicare premium decline that we're seeing next year, that the one-year drop in premiums does not offset the overall inflation of health care. So earlier this year, retirees celebrated the dual announcement that Social Security benefits would increase by 8.7% next year, which is the largest annual increase in 40 years, while Medicare premiums, which are usually deducted directly from Social Security benefits, would decline slightly, resulting in more spending income for 23. But will it? One year's data does not tell the complete story. It is important to look at Medicare and the Social Security Administration's long-term projections for premium increases and cost of living adjustments for retirement planning purposes. There's a recent report, Medicare and Social Security's COLAs, putting 23 numbers in context that highlights the impact of these changes on retirement health care costs. The report underscores that the scheduled 8.7% increase in Social Security benefits next year isn't a windfall, but a reflection on the increased cost of living as a result of the highest inflation in 40 years. And the $5.20 decline in monthly Medicare Part B premiums, only the third time in the program's history that premiums have declined, follows an outside 14.5% increase in 2022. 
The lower premium for Part B coverage, which pays for the outpatient services and doctor's fees, reflects lower expected costs related to the Alzheimer drug Adelin. And But Medicare Part B premiums are only one component of future health care costs. The paper notes that premiums for Medicare Part D prescription drug coverage, supplemental Medigap policies, and dental insurance, and out-of-pocket spending on deductibles and co-pays are all expected to increase in 23. In fact, that $5 a month adds up to $62.40 savings in annual Part B premiums is less than 1% of total projected health care costs for a healthy 65-year-old individual in retirement next year, according to the paper. Medicare premiums will continue to rise at a faster pace than COLAs, and over time, a greater portion of Social Security benefits or other sources of retirement income will be needed to address health care needs. Using updated Medicare Part B premiums and Social Security COLAs for 23, the health care index shows that the start of retirement average health care costs, including all premiums and out-of-pocket expenses, will account for about 45% of Social Security income before taxes. For a healthy 65-year-old couple retiring and starting Medicare and Social Security next year, but let's assume they both live to 89. Health care expenses will consume almost their entire Social Security check by the end of retirement, the issue brief said. The estimate does not include possible long-term care costs, taxes on Medicare, and high-income surcharges. And retirement planning is not about one year of expenses or returns, but ensuring needs can be met through retirement. The 23 numbers from Social Security and Medicare provide an opportunity for clients and advisors to discuss retirement plans, the role of Social Security, Medicare premiums, and health care costs that need to be planned for in retirement. So what can financial advisors do to help rein in health care costs, including those expenses of retirement income planning? You know, we encourage you to take advantage of the annual Medicare open enrollment period going on now through December 7th. Each year, people with Medicare can review their coverage options and switch plans during open enrollment. Medicare beneficiaries and traditional Medicare can compare and switch Medicare Part D standalone drug plans or join Medicare Advantage plans while enrollees in Medicare Advantage plans compare and switch Medicare Advantage plans to elect coverage under traditional Medicare with or without a standalone drug plan. You may remember a couple, three weeks ago, I had Bill Tetro with me here on the radio on the show. Bill, I can always give you his information if you're interested. Coverage and costs vary widely among Medicare Advantage plans and Part D prescription drugs. Plans can change from one year to the next. It could lead to unexpected or affordable costs and disruptions in care for beneficiaries who do not review their options annually. For example, changes in provider networks could mean beneficiaries lose access to their preferred accounts. Doctors which changes the list of coverage drugs and cost-sharing requirements could result in higher out-of-pocket drug costs. In addition, beneficiaries' health care needs can change from one year to another, making it even more important to compare coverage each year. Even without a change in plan of their health care status, beneficiaries may be able to plan for better needs that meets their lower or better costs. So, unfortunately, only one of three Medicare beneficiaries review and compare their Medicare plans. According to a, report from the, a new report from the Kaiser Family Foundation, Medicare's official information resources, including its toll-free number, 1-800-MEDICARE, its website, www.medicare.gov, and its annual Medicare and You handbook, are not widely used. So what does this mean? Does a lack of comparison shopping mean beneficiaries have satisfied their current coverage or just overwhelmed by too many choices to decide to switch plans? It seems Medicare cost analysis with the help of available software tools may provide fertile ground to save money. Something for you to look at. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. Thanks for listening. Don't forget our live show on Saturdays. Have a great week. And got questions for us? Give us a call, 360-733-1200. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. 
To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor.